I'm going to steal from my parents. Uh, I think they'd be all right with that. But they move in frequently, and when you didn't necessarily plan to, they were always did a fantastic job of looking forward to the next step and what the future held. And I think it's very easy for us to wallow and think about where we're at and not enjoy it, but they always would look forward to. So if we were someplace, it wasn't where did we used to be that we might've loved. We loved the places we lived, but it wasn't look backwards to, oh, I wish I were back here. And it was embedded enough in me that standing there in the, in the Alps in Switzerland as a kid, and you're looking out over this beautiful views and somebody next to me is saying, oh, but I wish I was back in the green grass of Kentucky. I was, I was, young, I was young and nothing wrong against Kentucky. It's beautiful there. But I looked over like, are you not seeing what we're seeing here? I haven't yet been back to Switzerland since that time, but we'll always remember that view and enjoying that. And it was like, you're going to go back to Kentucky. Enjoy Kentucky when you're in Kentucky. Right now, you're here. Enjoy this. Find the good in where you're at now. And no matter how dark it is, or you might be away from family like we were, or no telephone service or anything like that for years of contact with family members, there was still a lot of positive. And I think if you look for it, you can find something to hang on to for that next step. And I'd encourage people to take that view of life, especially when it's easy to get into the worst side of things. There's always darkness. There's always bad sides of things. But look at what those nuggets of what is good and what can drive you forward. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. And again, it's that time of day for you to come in, relax, take your shoes off, come on in, drink that beverage. Uh, one of your favorite beverages. Uh, I like, uh, I'm not a coffee drinker per se, but I'll sure flood that coffee with some hazelnut creamer. All right. And so, but, uh, you know, come on in, enjoy, and let's uh, learn. Let's, let's find out how somebody's overcome adversity and let's inspire, motivate, and help others in the future. Provide help for those that are struggling and need it. And you know there's someone out there and maybe even you today. So today, our guest has uh, had a uh, brain tumor that should have taken his life. But thankfully it didn't. Surgery came. He got a new perspective in life. And so let's uh, go on and get started here. And welcome to the show, Robert Toe. All right. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thanks for the so, invitation. No, no. Thank you for coming and sharing your valuable time with us and the listeners. And again, so we can help somebody else out there in the future. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Hey, we got Nancy in today again. Nancy, thank you for coming in. Robert, Nancy, Nancy, Robert. So far. Hi, Nancy. All right. There you hey. go. Hey. <laughs> so, okay, uh, Robert, now our show is again. We, we, want to, we want to talk to people that's overcome adversity and definitely with a brain tumor that should have taken your life. I think you qualify here, Robert, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad, again, I'm glad everything went well, and you are here, here. 
to help us. So if you want to go ahead and get started with your your journey. Sure. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So um, what um, the surprise I got was March 1st of 2018. Um, I awakened from a seizure in the middle of the night and my wife uh, of only six months uh, who ha- happened to have been trained in how to care for people with seizures um, was attending to me and woke up with a police officer at the foot of the bed and um, had had a seizure and was cognizant, aware at that point, a little confused, as you can imagine, of what was going on and uh, got me, but I managed to walk down the stairs and with my cell phone in hand as my cell phone addiction had, uh, it's still not completely been broken. I'm doing better. Um, took my cell phone in hand and went to, um, went into the ambulance and they drove me. We lived a few miles away from the hospital and within about an hour, they came out and went, well, you know, we can't treat you here. You know, they did the the test and they said, you've got a brain tumor and this is a small regional hospital and we can't treat you here. We've got another ambulance that can come and take you, make your choice of three hospitals of where you want to go. And I made the choice of the one in the closest vicinity, but uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, and made the call to go to that one. And uh, off I rode in the ambulance. Um, And meanwhile, my wife uh, had uh, called my kids and called work and called my father and let him know. And he'd gotten down there to the hospital in about that much time. But um, he's an experienced uh, military physician's assistant, about 40 years of experience in that. And, um, they drove me off to the, the hospital. And, um, then that, then the, the miracles began happening, quite frankly, is, you know, I thought I'd seen things that overcome things absolutely in my life had overcome a lot, but nothing like this one. And, um, it happened to be a doctor that he'd seen like 12 years before that was at the top of his game was the neurosurgeon. And they looked at it and, um, the truth of the matter is this thing was about the size of a small apple in my frontal lobe. It was non-cancerous, but it was very, very large. And the images didn't look like a human brain. And uh, they worked for a few days to try to reduce and cut off some of the blood supply to it. Um, they uh, actually, the day before, tried and made an attempt to put me under. They did put me under, um, but lost me on the table. Uh, in the attempt to cut off the blood supply, got me back, um, came back the next day for the surgery with ha- that having failed and with nothing but really the negative sides of things being brought up. You know, you could lose your memory, you could lose your eyesight, you could lose your sense, your hearing, um, all sorts of different things. And it became one of those. I didn't even look at the images at the time to tell you through at the MRI and just said, you know, what what are the choices? Okay, I hear you on the bad side. What choice do we have? And they went, you don't really have a choice. And I went, all right, let's get on with it then. Let's do it. And they took me back for surgery. And you know, my not-so-funny joke is that I was unconscious during the worst parts of all this. It was my family that had to be awake. And uh, my, my sister, her family, my dad, uh, my wife's dad coming down, my, my kids coming in. They were all, they all had to be awake for it. I was unconscious. I woke up and was instantaneously better. A little bit grumpy, a little bit grumpy, 
but better. Better eyesight, better hearing, better hand-eye coordination, unbelievable results. And I'll tell you what, it was amazing. It was truly amazing. Um, To the point where I asked the docs, I'm like, this happens all the time? And they're like, when a miracle happens, you take it. And I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not arguing against it. Don't get me wrong. When you you look a gift horse in the mouth. So... it was amazing. Um, no rehab, no chemo, no chemicals, no medicines, no nothing. Uh, was out of the hospital with about six days. Out of the hospital after brain surgery where they opened me up from one side to the other. Um, and, um, you know, looked a little um, battle weary. Looked like I've been hit by a truck. But um, within a month, I was actually on an airplane traveling for work back again. Within about a week, I was working with limited screen time on the computer. Um, wow. But it was just truly amazing. Uh, it's been very, very positive, and, um, but definitely put a different perspective on life for me, no doubt. Oh, I, I can imagine that, yeah, because uh, now you're talking about going from your worst, what could be even worse than that, and, uh, but uh, the miracle of being much better. I oh, mean, indeed. Much better. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. Uh, after my injury and everything like that, being in the wheelchair, that uh, the only thing that I uh, hate to say the word regret, but is my family had to go through it with me. Mm-hmm. Like you said, uh, here I am for my surgery, and they're all awake for it and everything. Yeah, and but yeah, and they had to go through every step with you along the way, uh, yes. even though it's us personally. But yes, it's, there. it's um, you wish you could spare them for that, but you're mm-hmm. glad to have them there. Um, I felt, I felt bad for my youngest niece who had never seen me without a beard and they had to shave the beard after the bad incident the day before so that they could have the right oxygen mask and everything on. And she'd never, and I thought she'd be horrified by what I looked like from the surgery. No, she was horrified with me without a beard. There you what, go. <laughs> what it was. <laughs> That's so, right. Uh, That's right. You feel bad yeah. for the little things like that. Um, well, yeah, tell about the different perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. I felt bad for her on that. And, uh, but the family being there to support was a good thing. Um, it, it was, um, you know, and even things that you get into the only theory we have, not that you want to over theorize these types of situations is that my mom, uh, was a musician and a pianist and I played piano from the time I was six years old. And there is, there are theories that your frontal lobe rewires itself due to the complexity of playing piano with 88 keys with two hands and your feet and everything else involved. And you sort of rewire the frontal lobe through all that, all those years of practice every day practice. So that may have been a part of why I was functioning because my dad afterwards, the docs afterwards, they said there was zero chance you were functioning before this, the seizure occurred on the 1st of March, but yet you were traveling the world all over flying on airplanes going and you were completely fine. Not a thing was wrong with you, but yeah, play the something, piano. Was, something was really wrong. Yeah. I don't play the piano. I have no other people would do, but I could see that, uh, you know, multitasking feet, mm-hmm. both hands and rewiring your nerves up there to make everything work. And then once this area was damaged, it already mm-hmm. been remapped years ago. Exactly. I could, I could see that happening. Yes. Yeah, that's I believe, the closest I believe, this, we've come. I believe in the neurogenerations. Yeah, it's something occurred. And I definitely, every 
I inherited from my mom the musicianship, although not the skill that she had naturally. But every instrument I've ever picked up, I can play and I can find a way to play. And that's many of them at this point, but none the complexity of the piano, which was the first instrument. Uh, growing up, my grandmother had a piano in her house. My mom plays on piano, but I'm thankfully, I, thankfully she didn't push it on me as a kid because I don't know if I, but I remember going to my grandmother's house and I always practicing chopsticks. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I, would, I, I wouldn't, ha- I would not have my hands if I'd played chopsticks. I don't know how to play them because my mom would not tolerate it. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> Wise woman. She, she so, was very much, she, um, very, very gifted James. She, um, it turns out I only learned recently and this is unfortunately after her passing, but I learned that she actually was playing at the church and she would play professionally for her church, piano and organ when she was nine years old. Wow. So she was very, very extraordinarily gifted. Uh, no we were talking about a show just a minute ago. It sounds like your mother was exceptional. Yes, uh, in the in that area, so that that's oh, that's that's amazing. And so I just interviewed a um, a woman, Heather, that she was uh, not quite born blind, but in the first couple of months went blind, mm-hmm. and she's a singer, and so she's talented in that area. She she even mentioned it. Uh, she remembered when she was six years old. She went to her brother. I asked to borrow a hundred dollars so she can cut her first record, and I think. Who at wow. six years old would think to cut a record? I love it. You know, and so here, you know, so with your mother at nine years old mm-hmm. playing professionally for the church, it's just remarkable to me. So people are amazing. So they are. It's, it's, they are people. Amazing. Now, let's, Robert, let's get to this now. I'm a firm believer that we go through some things in life to prepare us for what's coming ahead or mm-hmm. possibly could be coming. And so here you are talking about something went on, I guess, with your dad and the doctor then. 12 mm-hmm. years later, you're with the same doctor. Mm-hmm. And so whatever happened there, I think, again, meeting him, this one yeah. man in it your was, life. It's extraordinary. Full this circle man. to come back. Mm-hmm. And at the height of his game, and he sacrificed himself. He was going on a trip to visit his first granddaughter in Israel, and he stopped the trip to take care of me. Yeah. So that, that's he didn't have to do dedication. that. No, he, he didn't. didn't. That's great that. dedication. So there, yeah, there's quite a few that would have said, I'm sorry, you can either postpone your surgery or I'll recommend someone. Right. And for them to be, to be that dedicated with their profession, that, that's amazing as well. So all these pieces of puzzle are just falling into place. They are. For you to be able to come up with your book. Let me get that book up here. You can flash yours while I'm pulling it back up. There it is. Never mind. Uh, uh, don't okay. be dumb. And I can't see the rest of the title, but it is what? It's a leadership playbook to help you um, be smarter, overcome obstacles, rise rapidly in challenging times. There you go. Right there. So don't be dumb. Again, a playbook, a, it's a workbook to help you uh, overcome adversities and whatnot in, in, in life. So Indeed. All right. Awesome. So, all right. Now, uh, Robert, um, so get this new perspective in life. Now tell us tell us a bit about this this uh, origin of the six thirty six name. Right. So the six six three six advisors came actually from it's a legacy from my great grandfather and my grandfather. So um, my great grandfather um, got didn't like the idea of being the farmer in Maine 
in the coldest parts of Maine. So he decided to lie about his age and join the army and uh, ran off and spent 30 years in the army, including fighting in World War One and in the Spanish part of the Spanish American War in the Philippines and lived. Uh, my grandfather was born in Panama and grew up in the Philippines. And uh, eventually my grandfather, great grandfather, when he retired, returned to Maine and became the, the first official chief of police for the state. And in those days, they give license numbers and you keep the license plate numbers in the, in the family. So his license plate number was 636. So it was just oh, 636, awesome. small state. And uh, that plate is still in the family today from the 1930s being passed from family member to family member. There you go. And, awesome. uh, but the, the connection there is he ended up in a place where he was actually investigating a bank robbery and uh, was making progress on it and was told by the governor, he served at the pleasure of the governor and was told, stand down, stop the investigation. And he refused to do so. He stood wow. his ground. He kept moving forward. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he was relieved of his job for that. And over time, it became apparent that where other members of the administration were involved in this bank robbery, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to cast dispersions here, but apparently, based off of what happened. And by the time he he had lost his job, it already been refilled, everything else, the government then gave him another job as head of like the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms that he served in for the rest of his life. But he saw it through regardless of the cost to himself financially, career-wise, everything else. Saw it through because he knew the right thing. He didn't just back off. So that sent quite a message to me. And um, we've had other usage of the numbers, including my grandfather as a recruiter after World War II, using the license plate to help him achieve his goals because he didn't sound like someone from Maine because he grew up in the Philippines. So he was being very unsuccessful. But he used that, borrowed the borrowed his dad's car and used that to achieve his goals and be successful in his career at that phase in the in the uh, Army Air Force after World War II. So the number itself had a lot of meaning. So when it came time to find found my own company after the surgery and and break out on my own, six six thirty six advisors made a lot of sense to to me. To it had a lot of deep meaning of see it through regardless of the cost. Keep moving forward. Do what you say you're going to do. Keep your word. Keep persevering. And keep That's persevering. Yes, sir. So, hey, so now you've given me two examples of how exceptional your family branch is. You know, here's a mother at nine years old playing professional for church. And now here's, uh, you say, with your grandfather? And it's my great-grandfather and then my grandfather. grandfather. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, under legal age to get into the military, so mm-hmm. already knowing what to do and everything and, and from there. So you've got a strong branch of people that's wanting to succeed, uh, overcome obstacles in life. Yeah, I, I think it's um, a combination of whether it's environment or um, breeding, for lack of a better term, or anything else, is certainly seeing things through and doing the right thing is the way I was raised is you just keep going you do find a way through those obstacles. You don't let them get you down. It doesn't mean you're in it by yourself, but you see things through. That's right. So now um, just talking to you here in this brief few minutes, 
you seem to be as positive person as the next while going through this brain tumor. Were you just as positive? Because a minute ago, you are talking all the negatives of what could happen from the surgery about uh, blindness and stuff like that. And you said, let's move on. Then let's go do this. Um, so have you always maintained this positivity? Uh, how do you think, where do you think you may have got this from? Well, I think I've, I've perhaps always been a little bit more of a glass half full versus half empty type of person. And, and moving forward, I was raised in a military family where you're constantly moving in new environments and you can either look backwards or look forwards. And it was a whole lot better to look forwards and enjoy where you are and look forward on what's next in your life. So that certainly became a part of my life. Um, I think it became a little difficult for others around me of, you know, I wasn't going to wallow in this. You know, my dad as a, as a military physician's assistant had a phrase that I remember growing up, which was, if in doubt, cut it out, which is a very practical army physician's assistant sort of approach. And in this case with the tumor, it, it wasn't getting better in there. I mean, this was the size of a small apple and had been growing for about 30 years in my head. It had to come out. So every day waiting was a day delayed. So uh, it doesn't mean I didn't have dark moments at times. It didn't mean, you know, middle of the night and wonder what did I got myself into? Or you have moments when you say, why did this happen to me? You know, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I'm not superhuman by any means. You have those moments. You have those regrets and wonder what could have happened or you have those doubts. But you look forward and you move forward regardless of that. You find That's a way it. to overcome them. Yeah, yeah, we, we we need to focus on what's ahead and mm -hmm. how things could be in the positive. Uh, yeah. There's too many people out there that's still living in the uh, 40 years ago. I can't do something because of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, I got a DUI. Now I can't. Uh, no, you can't because you don't want to. All right. right. Get, get, get out of that past stuff. I mean, I'm not saying past is totally bad and wrong for you because one, it shows you how far you've come in life. It gives you something right. to shoot for to go ahead, okay? But it's, uh, you know, when you're good or bad, uh, Al Bundy on his show, uh, Married Children, he always came back with um, when he scored four touchdowns in one game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> always Al Bundy scored four touchdowns in one game. One game. So, so you know, so good or bad, hanging back there, uh, it, it's not all that great for you when you got so much ahead of you that you could be praying for and, and go bigger in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think that's where you need to focus. It's, I mean, I'm not ever going to present myself as I don't make mistakes. I make more mistakes by 8 AM than most people do all day, you know, and the, and the, uh, I've used in the book you referenced, I've used music to tie together the different chapters and different elements of songs and you take a song from the Eagles of in the, the long run, you know, kind of bent and kind of broken, you know, but you're still standing, you're still moving forward. And uh, that's an example of, you know, doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but, you know, try not to make the same mistake repeatedly. Make new mistakes. And Robert's referring to the book, Don't Be Dumb. And again, it's a uh, workbook kind of uh, to help mm -hmm. you overcome adversities. And uh, again, you can't see the fine print, but what else, Robert, you can go ahead and say it again. Well, it's to, uh, to be smarter, uh, overcome obstacles, rise rapidly in challenging times. There you go. And yeah. don't fool yourself. We're all going to have challenging times. 
somewhere along the line. You may not have it like a lot of people. You may only have it, hopefully, with a blessing, very few in your life. But a lot of us, we have more than we ever anticipated. And it's finding that way to get through another day. So I think that's completely fair. Yes, sir. And Nancy, Nancy, she says, uh, she's come back here now. That's a real doctor. Not to say too many yep. would have done like he did. So yes, you're right about that, Nancy. Thank you. Yeah. And also, that's Nancy a, that's said, a true statement. Yep. And she says, uh, not to be rude, but she is a little jealous that, uh, who is it? Because her sister's dad is no longer, cause he, he died from a brain tumor. Mm. So I, uh, I've run into so many people, uh, and Nancy and others on, it's just, it, it's more common than we ever, than it should be, or that we would hope for by, you know, and I ended up with an instance actually with my, um, my boss at the time when I got the next assignment suggesting that I wear a hat because of the way I looked and I'm like, uh, I can't, first oh. of all, really can't wear a hat. Yeah. Because I won't heal up because I'm still healing here. They've got the stitches out, but I can't wear a hat. And second of all, don't see that there's anything to be secretive about. And he's like, don't tell anybody. Just please don't tell anybody. And I just, all I could tell him was I'll take that under advisement. And I absolutely told everybody and every individual I told that I was working with still looking like I was healing. Trust me. Um, had an instance in their life where something like that had happened to them or somebody that they knew. Yeah. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful it, to well, see what, what is possible. What well, could come. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. And the last person after I, that I told the story to actually said, you know what? We sort of wondered because we looked on Facebook or looked up on LinkedIn and we saw you and we wondered whether like you were like using Photoshop or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look, I'm not, you know, and so we're sorry that happened, but we're glad you're not a liar is basically what the story was. Mm -hmm. It's like, you'll know me well enough. I just tell the truth. So I'm not a Photoshop type of guy. I, I am who I am here. So there you go. So Nate, I don't think it's rude to be a little jealous. I mean, cause it's, that's way like, you know, life is like that, that, you know, we wish things could have been different and, mm -hmm. and so don't, don't think it's being rude. So it's no. just uh, just a natural way it is, and so there's no. Uh, there's no no. Uh, I'm not hoping I speak for Robert to he's not offended. I wouldn't be offended if someone was to say something to me like it. So no, I wouldn't at all. And, and quite yeah. frankly, you know, I've I've since lost my mom, but she'd been on had a, a frontal temporal um, problem with her brain that had absolutely no relation to mine, but she's passed away in the last year. But she reached the point of a long, slow decline that you would never want something like that to happen some, to someone. But, you know, you do your best with it and you try to evaluate in the individual circumstances. In her case, she wasn't showing signs of pain, but she reached the point where she knew who no one was in the family. This, um, so, oh, oh, what I was going to say, come back to is, um, uh, your boss, I would have played a little different. You would have been suing me because I've been have you out front just so you can work to tell your story to put every people, you know, uh, more at ease again, show the positive side and everything like that. And uh, what could happen and with them to look forward to to get a better perspective of what's happening in life. Uh, I, I would have had you up front. So, yeah, it was uh, an interesting decision to, or an interesting recommendation that I didn't take too kindly to, to tell you the truth. So. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been happy. I mean, that'd be that'd be like me in a wheelchair uh, now because uh, being spinal cord injury. That uh, 
and wherever I was working, they would say, uh, yeah, you're doing a great job back in that corner, you mm-hmm. know, away from the away from the people. We don't want them to be afraid of someone that's in a wheelchair. And right. so, yeah, so it'd be the same thing with you. With I, I, Again, I would be happy that uh, you were there and you're showing your battle wounds and how mm-hmm. you overcome. Well, so, and, and I made a great friend while I was on this assignment that the first thing she did, and I didn't tell her because she wasn't part of the smaller population. I didn't just, I didn't broadcast it to everybody. I'd tell, I would, no secrets, but I didn't broadcast it. And she looked straight at me the first time she met and she said, so what happened to you? And I told her and she said, oh yeah, well, I've got a whole fake plate in my head when I had an injury when I was a kid and everything else. And, you know, so we bonded over that, that we both had overcome things like that. That's right. So, all right. Now, Robert, uh, there was a question sent over here and it said for me to, Ask about Ricky the Goat. Ricky the Goat, yes. Uh, this is an early story um, from a very influential mentor and boss in my career. Uh, when I was late 20s, working my way through, and I traditionally I found my way into finance. So I worked in finance uh, jobs for a number of years before I started doing consulting for a good long time. And, um, but, you know, as I talked about making mistakes, um, one mistake I had was I was a little too zippy and wanted to do things really quick. And with a spreadsheet would hard code numbers in rather than use a formula. So you have a formula. So if something changes, then it ripples through and all the changes happen the way they should. And if you hard code something, you blow up the formulas. And if you change something in a spreadsheet, the changes don't work right which is a big deal when you're reporting financial numbers for, for big companies to have that. You shouldn't do that. Let's put it that way. There you go. So uh, I had a boss that had been patient with me and told me several times, he was about 20 years older than me. And he was, um, you'd, you'd think he was a Texan from the way he spoke and everything else, but it was one of those, you know, he wasn't a Texan, but got there as soon as he could and was good for telling stories and getting his point across. And he says, so did I ever tell you about Ricky the goat? And I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't think you have. And he says, okay, well, let me tell you. There was this goat named Ricky that I had when I was a kid. And I'm like, okay. And he says, and Ricky liked to get with the girl goats. He liked to, he liked to, to have interactions with the girl goats. I'm like, okay. And in my head, I'm going, don't know where this is going, but okay, I'll play along. What's this got to do about numbers? And every time he's jumping the fence, and he's getting with those girl goats, and we're trying everything we could to fence higher, and he's still getting with them. Finally, we put him on a chain, and we put barbed wire at the top of the fence. We put him on a chain to keep him out from those girl goats. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, don't know where this was going, but okay, I'm listening. And he said, and then I got home from school one day, and I'll tell you, that Ricky the goat, he'd gotten that chain stretched just so much, they'd gotten up and started leaping the fence anyway but got caught by his private parts on that barbed wire. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, boy, that's not good. And he looked at me right in the eye, and he says, and if you hard code numbers one more time, you're going to be just like Ricky. (laughs) 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 And And that was the last day I hard coded something into <laughs> there you go. It was spreadsheet. He nice. got through my he got through my thick skull with the story uh and a little bit of sense of humor, but um and maybe a little bit of a threat, maybe. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um so. but he but he got through uh to me in a way and he found a different way to get through to me, regardless of just telling me. But painted a picture that 
I didn't want any part of that picture. That's right. Uh, and so, it got my attention with it in a creative way. So, well, and, and you know, there's those things, there's more than a, 10,000 ways to skin a cat. So, uh, there most certainly so, are. You know, so he, he could have diff- took a different approach, which may not have been as, as effective on you. Well, you know, when it wasn't, a, it certainly wasn't traditional, write you up for it or, you know, take you down to human resources. It was a different, um, different way of getting this point across, but he certainly got it across. There you go. Different times then. So I don't know. Different times away. then. I don't, I don't know, know that you can definitely. Today. Yeah, I definitely have my point in the book of HR tips that HR professionals might not approve of. So, you know, it's one of those use your judgment on what you can and can't say and how you handle yourself. But um, now your book is not out for ready to buy yet, is it? Uh, no, it's getting close. We're aiming at an October 14th date okay. for it to be out. Because uh, I, I love what you talked about uh, using music and songs to, uh, I guess, chapter titled. Mm-hmm. somehow with your books and yes. I think I think it'd be interesting how you did that. Yeah, it was an interesting balance of finding the um the the right stories for the right things that would connect. So uh finding different ways like I used um one piece at a time to uh reference, you know, from the old Johnny Cash song of finding a way to get what you wanted, not to not coming to back to my stealing. You yeah, know? now you're coming to my hometown, Johnny Cash. He just yeah. lived up the road from where I lived. Well, there you go. But uh, not advocating stealing car parts from the auto manufacturer, but uh, of finding a way to get what you want. And so I put that as the beginning of a chapter of finding a way of what your path is to get what you want and use that as a setting. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, David Allen Coe used an element from David Allen Coe um, to uh, talk about uh, uh, the best half concert that I've ever been to when I actually got to go see him and then a brawl broke out and police dogs came in and all sorts of craziness ensued. No, no. But um, great half a concert. Best half yeah, concert yeah, yeah, I've ever yeah. been to. It's fantastic. But uh, nobody got hurt out of it. It's all right. So, um, but tried to set up the tone of, you know, people knowing your name. You never even knew my name type of thing. And how do people, how do you get yourself known? And so set up that way in several different chapters and uh, got creative some different things. And, well, and it's very stories. creative, you know, tying in, especially for older listeners that knows these songs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to keep to pique their interest to keep reading. So that's it, very creative. Well, and it was interesting. I've heard from younger generations that they're, you know, they've used the word eclectic because the songs some sort of all over the place and different genres and different, different types that they might not have ever heard of. And they're interested too in that of like, I never heard of this person before. I never heard of this artist. And what's this about? And, so that's sort think, of been interesting. I think it's so funny watching these teenagers walking around with Kiss or Queen or Pink Floyd, their shirts. And I'm going, you're only uh, wearing this stuff because you finally your mama's and your dad's uh, old dresser drawer somewhere. And then you go and listen to some old cassettes they got laying around and, re- and realize what real good music is, you know, from, from back then. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I had a conversation with a guy that works for me earlier today of two of the founding members of Journey, mm-hmm. which, you know, one of my favorite bands that I got into and then went backwards in time and discovering that two of them came from Santana and that one of them had even played at Woodstock with Santana. I mean, how far back in the roots of music this was. 
Oh, and yeah. all of that's completely lost on folks today. Oh, yeah. So, hey, Robert, hey, uh, appreciate you being here and sharing your story and your journey and everything. If you can take, uh, go ahead and tell us uh, uh, how to, uh, to come about your book when it comes out and your other social media, how people can get a hold of you. Uh, go ahead and hit us with it. Absolutely. Uh, so my uh, main website is 636advisors, with an O, dot com. And we have uh, a place to fill in information to get a discount code for the book on that website. Um, so that's probably the fastest and easiest way to get a hold of hold of me that way, as well as my email addresses on that and everything else um, and phone number. So happy to, to be reached that way. Facebook is also 636 Advisors, but also uh, can be reached on individually with Robert, Robert Toll on, on that and find me that way. And uh, as well as on LinkedIn. So uh, that's all up and running uh, in the process. We're within a day or so of being up is uh, don't be dumb.expert for a, uh, for a new website. That's in just going to outline more focused on the book, uh, which also, but if folks can, we can get them a discount on the book that'll be available on Amazon and other sites coming up in the next coming months um, and looking to get any, um, any early reviews of the book, we could do a digital copy here shortly for folks in advance and, you know, to give folks a chance to read it and offer a review on day one, which would be fantastic. So very open to different ways. And uh, the other thing is also have got out a Spotify list that we can get to folks of the songs in the book that we can send to folks so they can uh, listen to the, uh, the mix of songs. There you go. So, all right. uh, So, uh, and I'll, I'll get try to catch you on these links and, mm-hmm. and get them into the description as well for people to be able to pop in. And and as your book is coming out, if you could just email to me so I can Absolutely. update everything. So I can update everything to keep you up uh, for everybody else. It'd be awesome. Yeah. So Yeah, we were on track. I will I will give an example here, James, of overcoming yes. obstacles. We had uh, I have my proof copy, which given the mistakes that are in this, it's going to be worth a lot of money one of these days. I'm going to hang on to this one. <laughs> but somehow we revised the copy and everything else. And this is different than what you showed the digital copy that we know it was on there. That's right. But they left off the word B and don't be dumb. And somehow when getting it to the right template, this is why you do a proof copy and you have mistakes and you overcome obstacles is this was the big mistake in the whole book is a missing word on the front cover. The word B it was there on the spine there on the back, but but not in the, the process again, not on the front for some reason. So, <laughs> um, so became sort of a Neanderthal version of the book of don't dumb. So um, <laughs> don't dumb. That's right. So well, Robert, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you again coming on, sharing your message, sharing your journey, valuable time here for us. And, uh, you know, giving us something to look at and provide some hope for the next person on not giving up, persevering. I mean, you're in a remarkable example of perseverance thank you so much so hey now rob you know that uh, there's people out there hurting and struggling today and if you can just take uh, here and give us a positive message to help people get through today that would be awesome i i'd be happy to it's actually i'm gonna i'm gonna steal from my parents uh i think they'd be all right with that but they moving frequently and when you didn't necessarily plan to they were always did a fantastic job of looking forward to the next step and what the future held. And I think it's very easy for us to wallow and think about where we're at 
and not enjoy it, but they always would look forward to. So if we were someplace, it wasn't where did we used to be that we might've loved. We loved the places we lived, but it wasn't look backwards to, oh, I wish I were back here. And it was embedded enough in me that standing there in the, in the Alps in Switzerland as a kid, and you're looking out over this beautiful views and somebody next to me is saying, Oh, but I wish I was back in the green grass of Kentucky. I was, I was young, I was young and nothing wrong against Kentucky. It's beautiful there. But I looked over like, are you not seeing what we're seeing here? I haven't yet been back to Switzerland since that time, but we'll always remember that view and enjoying that. And it was like, you're going to go back to Kentucky, enjoy Kentucky when you're in Kentucky right now, you're here. Enjoy this, find the good in where you're at now. And no matter how dark it is, or you might be away from family like we were, or no telephone service or anything like that for years of contact with family members, there was still a lot of positive. And I think if you look for it, you can find something to hang on to for that next step. And I'd encourage people to take that view of life, especially when it's easy to get into the worst side of things. There's always darkness. There's always bad sides of things. But look at what those nuggets of what is good and what can drive you forward. And then find those nuggets, what is good, and squeeze them and hang on to them. And then it's going to get even better as as time goes on. So That's fair. Absolutely. Hey, Robert, thank you again. Nancy, thank you for coming in. Anybody's coming in on the replay, hey, be sure to share us out with someone yet again, you don't have to have a brain tumor and going through all that and, uh, or a spinal cord injury. Uh, the message of overcoming adversity and giving some hope for someone is still the same. If I can do anything to help you, you go to my website, professor of If you go down a little bit there, you'll see there's a free mini course with a ebook free and it's your past doesn't have a future, but you do. So, Go ahead and get your copy of that free. Everyone else do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast for motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.